in the past, a visual was about creating jobs because we had more people needed to work than available jobs during the decade-long Michigan recession. Now it's about where the workers will come from. Welcome to episode two of Region Ahead, a podcast from Simcock, the Southeast Michigan Council of Governments. I'm Chris Williams. And I'm Trevor Layton. Today, we'll be talking with Xuan Lu, Research Manager for Simcog, about the 2045 Regional Forecast for Southeast Michigan. Data is the foundation of all of our work and one of the main tools we provide for local governments and others across this region. Simcox data is what enables us to adopt comprehensive regional plans that can be implemented at the local level. About every five years, Simcog creates and adopts a new regional development forecast. The great thing about the forecast is that it provides data that shows not only where we were and where we are, but where we are going. To borrow an analogy from another type of forecast, if you're going to invest in an umbrella, it helps to know when, where, and how hard the rain is going to fall. Today, we're going to find out what the regional forecast tells us about the future of Southeast Michigan. Schwinn, thanks for joining us today. Hello, glad to be here. So, could you tell us a little bit about and what exactly is in the forecast and where it comes from? Sure. First of all, I really like the name of this podcast, Region Ahead, because that's exactly what we're doing with our forecast. I also like Trevor's umbrella analogy. Like weather forecasting, we run very complex computer models to predict demographic and uh, socioeconomic changes. But in addition to math and algorithms and various input data ranging from census to employment files, in our forecast, we emphasize local knowledge and policies that we know will shape our region's future. We have a task force consisting of not only forecast experts, but also planners and local elected officials. We collect development projects, residential, commercial, industrial, and institutional that are in the pipeline in every community. We use communities' master plans to guide computer models to forecast future land use changes. In the end, we have a set of forecasts that is driven by both market forces and public policies. So our current forecast runs from 2015 to 2045, including population by age, households by type, such as income, number of children, number of workers, employment by industry, and other economic indicators. We forecast for the region as a whole, for every county, city, village, and township in our region. We also produce customized forecasts for school districts, watersheds, legislative districts, and community colleges. The overarching goal is to provide information to better inform regional and local decisions. One of the biggest and most difficult questions people are trying to answer when they look at a forecast is what's going to happen with the economy. So Schwinn, what's going to happen with the economy? Um, 
there, there are many ways to measure the economy, including some common indicators that people are most familiar with, such as jobs, unemployment, GDP, and income. So in terms of jobs, we have recovered very well after the Great Recession. Our total employment is returning to the 2000 peak. I want to make a note here that is total employment includes both wage and salary jobs and self-employed. So during the recession, many people lost their wage and salary jobs and became self-employed of some sort. If we measure wage and salary jobs only, we're still below the 2000 peak. Going forward though, we forecast total employment will increase by 6.7% in the next 30 years. It's very modest, mainly because of a labor shortage as our population continue to age. In fact, we're facing very different economic issues in the future than in the past. In the past, a issue was about creating jobs because we had more people needed to work than available jobs during the decade-long Michigan recession. Now it's about where the workers will come from. As the economy continues to recover, unemployment remains low, and the population ages quickly. There will be fewer prime working age people than jobs in the future. Our economy would grow faster if we could get more workers. But lack of labor force will post the speed limit on our economic growth. Nevertheless, we forecast innovation and increasing productivity will help our GDP to grow faster in the future. That will help us regain some of the wealth lost in the Great Recession. In the year 2000, our per capita income was 14% higher than the US average. But it became 6% lower than the US by 2009. We forecast it will be 4% higher than the US by 2045. So while our per capita income is rebounding, the region's relative position is not expected to reach pre-recession levels. That will continue to challenge our ability to provide services. I see. So with major changes like the ones you've described, it seems like the business sector along with workforce will need to adapt, right? We know that innovation is a huge part of our region's historical success, and you know, hopefully it'll be a big part of our future. Now, can we anticipate any important trends we should be tracking over the next couple decades as we adjust to these big changes? That's a great question, Chris. The industrial mix of our economy will be very different. For example, healthcare will continue to add more jobs, mainly because of the increasing demand of the aging population. Retail trade, however, will lose jobs as brick and mortar stores closing right in front of our eyes. But wholesale, warehousing, and logistics are growing along with internet shopping. So it's like fewer kind of Toys R Us's and more kind of Amazon. And more district. trucks on the road more as well, okay. delivering them. And manufacturing will produce higher GDP output but will employ fewer workers in factories because of increasing productivity. While robots are replacing old and labor-intensive jobs, they are creating new jobs for designing, engineering, 
or programming robots. So we don't forecast number of robots, but we do forecast significant increase of jobs in the so-called knowledge-based and export-oriented industries, including professional technical services, information, financial activities, and management of companies. So these are mostly high-paying jobs and require higher education. And these jobs are growing and will continue to grow, which will really help our future economy. And this economic transformation means that it is critical to develop our workforce, particularly maintaining, training, educating, and attracting workers with the skills needed for our future economy. So one of the things people have talked about in, in terms of fears of the future is that this idea that robots are, are going to replace our workers and there's going to be no place uh, for people in our workforce. But, but what you've told us is a little bit different, which is that uh, in the future, we're going to have actually more jobs than we have people. And, and one of the reasons for that is the efficiencies created by those same robots um, are, are outpacing our ability to, to create design uh, that goes along to to feed our manufacturing processes. So is there anything that local governments can do to be part of the, the greater picture in, in terms of ensuring that our, our training um, and, and the other aspects of, of our economy um, can help to move forward? Absolutely. Um, so there are many implications for local governments on the employment side. You know, as the jobs are shifting away from manufacturing to engineering and information. Really, uh, what jobs will the communities target through zoning, for example? What will the impact be on infrastructure uses? Because manufacturing and uh, professional technical services have very different demands on infrastructure. And how do we redesign the use of retail spaces so instead of uh, strip malls of retails, do we have strip malls of healthcare services in the future? So land use planning that local governments are responsible for really need to reflect uh, those long-term trends. Beyond employment and, and just thinking about day-to-day -day life, um, what impacts might there be on, on local governments in terms of the, the age makeup of our population changing? That's a very... Um, uh, key question to local governments as well. Uh, we actually forecast uh, senior population age 65 and older will increase by 67%, while the total population will only increase by 8% for the next 30 years. So what does this dramatic increase of seniors mean to the communities? Um, housing options need to be need to evolve. Uh, recreation programs need to adapt. Actually, a influx of retirees creates challenges, but it also offers many opportunities as well, such as uh, volunteering. So how do we tap into these huge resources? And furthermore, uh, what's the impact of a rapid increase of individuals aged 85 and older? Uh, we have 10 years before that wave of elderly begins to arrive. We will be ready to provide services to the 150% increase in that group of seniors. So, is all this set in stone? Can can we pretty much assume because the forecast tells us that that this is the way it's going to be? Our our population overall is going to be much older. 
Uh, that's a great question. Um, to change that, you have to change the components of population change, which are birth, death, domestic migration, and international migration. Um, I think we know it's pretty hard to change death rates and birth rate. So um, policies can certainly change uh, migration, both domestically and internationally. So if we create better communities, we work together to bring in not only jobs, but people with skills to fill the future jobs, um, we can increase domestic migration into the region, or uh, federal policies can really affect international migration or immigration. So one of the things you've, you've said in the past um, that I thought was really interesting is you mentioned um, there was a certain part of our built environment that could become the most valuable piece of real estate in a community. And it, it, it's not something I would have guessed. And what you were talking about is the curb. So what exactly do you mean when you say that the curb is potentially the most valuable piece of land a community has in the future? So the future transportation, in my view, will be more uh, multimodal and integrated, not only integrated with different transportation systems, but also with land use. So when you have um, more connected and autonomous vehicles uh, in the shared economy in the future, uh, you don't have to own cars. Uh, you can share vehicles and not only motorized vehicles, but non-motorized as well. Um, so the exchange of different modes and also the connection between transportation and land use uh, will become increasingly important. And that place for the exchange to happen uh, is the curb or the street curbs uh, in urban areas. So you have people uh, being dropped off or picked up. Uh, you can change different mode or you can have um, goods and uh, shaping um, companies uh, using the curb more effectively as well. So um, you want to manage and use the curb effectively to serve uh, different purposes of different users. Uh, so who will own the curb? Who will plan for the curbs? Um, and how to pay for that? And how to share the curb for uh, everybody in the community to use will become more important in the future. Okay, so we've learned a lot um, and you've gone over a, a lot of different scenarios and, and kind of inputs into what the forecast is and what it does and how we can use it. So the question is, is there anything else you wanna tell us about the future? Sure, uh, I'd like to mention some additional alternative scenarios in our forecast. Um, Another difference between our forecast and uh, weather forecast is that uh, uh, not only we want our forecast to be accurate, but also we want to analyze different outcomes if economic conditions and or policies change. So on the employment side or the economy side, uh, while automobile manufacturing remains to be our core industry, we continue to advocate for diversifying our economy. Take one industry, for example. In the Pittsburgh region, the finance industry accounts for 5.8% of its total jobs 
in our region is 4.5%. So if we gradually increase our share of the finance industry to the same as Pittsburgh's share, it will create additional 114,000 jobs by 2045, or 4% higher than our baseline forecast. It may also reduce cyclical employment fluctuations uh, that we do not forecast. On the demographic side, there is a downside risk of reduction in immigration. So if immigration stops completely tomorrow, our 2045 population will be about half a million lower than the baseline forecast. The total population would be back to the 1990 level. So immigration is critical for moving regions forward, particularly for a slow-growing region like ours over the next 30 years. Okay, Schwinn, I can't wait to find out how the future of our real lives compares to the scenarios you've laid out for us today. It's always a pleasure to get to learn something new from you and from our forecast. Thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been Simcog's Region Ahead. Thanks for joining us as we consider the important issues that affect Southeast Michigan. Thanks also to Schwinn Liu, Research Manager for Simcog, for joining us today. I'm Chris Williams, and my co-host is Trevor Layton. Region Ahead is available on Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and the Simcog website.